Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with the Surrey Police decision. And you had been saying all week that you anticipated that Farnworth would force through the Surrey Police Service. And that's precisely what happened. Um, Why why did you you saw this coming from a mile away here for quite a while? Why did you think this was the uh, the inevitable outcome here? Well, I think a couple of things. Um, The increasing evidence that the RCMP staffing plan wasn't sufficient, and I've been flagged by EB and by Farnworth for some time, and you've put that as the bedrock of what this decision's all about, and it's hard to see how this would would occur any other way. And I was sort of taken aback yesterday, the disclosure that Surrey Police Services already have 400 employees. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've got one force growing, the other force shrinking, so uh, nationally, the RCMP graduated about 650 recruits a year from the Regina Depot, but about 850 existing Mounties retire or quit. So there's an ongoing gap of 200. And you put that along with the, the staffing concerns of RCMP and Surrey and the growth of Surrey Police Services, it was just inevitable that this, is, this decision was the one that was going to be made. You think Farnworth is... Relieved of this office desk or what? I went by his office, into his office yesterday, and he was literally sprawled on his chair saying, oh, like a giant weight is off my shoulders here. Now, it doesn't, you know, Brenda Locke issued a statement yesterday. She didn't hold a news conference saying they're looking at their options, but I think it's, uh, I think it's a done deal. I don't, I would be surprised if Surrey mounts some sort of legal challenge here. Yeah. uh, The explanation we got from, um, staff yesterday, technical staff, is that once uh, Surrey was allowed to um, at least visit the idea and present a plan of how to go to the RCMP, uh, give them a chance to do that, uh, that would satisfy any legal challenge because it, it did give the municipality a chance to do this, but then didn't, wasn't able to show, as we say, show the work uh, that the RCMP staffing challenges could have been overcome. Just reading closely like, like the statement that Brenda Locke put out there, yeah, she did say our staff are looking at this, we're examining our options, but the tone of it, I thought, was sort of, you know, accepting it or like a, not a capitulation, but just sort of a realization that this is well, this is know, maybe the end of it. I, yeah, maybe they, they challenge this, but I think maybe there's other issues out there, as we've been saying, that the people of Surrey are, are talking about, which is, you know, overcrowded schools. Yeah. unaffordable housing, transit issues, yeah. all these things that are a lot of moving parts that require, in many cases, the provincial government to be a partner with to try to come up with some solutions to some problems. And I noticed yesterday, in stark contrast to Brenda Locke's reaction, was a very quick off-the-mark news release and statement from Vancouver Mayor Ken Sim, who was very supportive of this. And I don't think you would have seen Kennedy Stewart, his predecessor, do that. But Ken Sims displaying, uh, who doesn't come, who's not cut from the NDP cloth, uh, has displayed a pretty good, healthy working relationship with a government whose philosophy is not one he embraces. Well, there, yeah, there was this statement from Vancouver Mayor Ken Sims saying, good, this is the, the province did the right thing putting an end to this. But I also spoke to another mayor this morning, Eric Woodward, who's the mayor of Langley Township, who said the opposite. He said that he felt that the province is is going too far, and this is trampling on local autonomy and municipal jurisdiction. I think the provincial government will take the mayor of the largest city <laughs> over anyone else in terms yeah. of a political ally. That that counts for a lot more political capital. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, he's he's got some policing issues going on over in Langley Township too. Okay, and like one of the things he said to me was, well, "Are they going to bring the hammer down on me next?" 
You know, what what about they're they're bullying municipalities a bit too on on housing and local planning. Well, the housing I mean, housing is interesting. You got some municipalities are saying Great, let's let's do this housing initiative where you reach over our heads. Other municipalities saying, "Wait a minute, not so fast. What about our autonomy?" Yeah. Again, Farmworth is bringing in amendments to the Police Act in the fall. It's they're not designed to prevent municipalities from transitioning to another police force, but they are going to prevent a municipality from reversing course two years into the process. Let's listen to Farnworth on that precise point here because he did say, yeah, we want to bring in legislation to clarify this in the fall, and we're going to do that in case this happens again. Let's listen. I don't think anyone wants to see this, uh, any government, be in this situation again. And uh, my intention is to bring legislation in the fall that uh, will ensure that that does not happen. Obviously, engage in consultation uh, with local government, with UBCM. How will this? What would this legislation look like? You're allowed to. You're allowed to change police forces, but you can't change your mind. Two that's, years later, that's one of the elements. <laughs> also, uh, an, an ability for the minister, whoever it is, uh, to be involved earlier in the process yeah. than later in the process. Also, uh, to clarify that information uh, has to be a pretty clear two-way street of information. These non-disclosure agreements. Uh, from both sides, really ha- ha- hamstrung the process for about, like for two months. Yeah. You know, we weren't allowed to talk about stuff because they signed these non-disclosure agreements. So I think that's going to be outlawed. Uh, that these things have to be done in an open and transparent uh, process. Uh, and again, there's going to be some sort of time frame where once you hit, you know, a certain um, timeline, you can't go back. And you know, McKellen was allowed. He initiated this. It's, the process started. What was unusual and unprecedented was Surrey Council to change its mind two years into the process and having built up a significantly large municipal police force, Surrey Police Services, over that time as this human resources plan unfolded and then just sort of put the brakes on it. And we've never seen anything like that before. And I think the, the legislation will prevent that from happening. Is it weird that they're bringing in Jessica McDonald to oversee this now? Like she's a veteran bureaucrat in government who was fired by the by this government as the head of bc hydro Hydro. yeah and now she's been brought in to oversee this policing transition what's up with that it's weird but it's effective because it's certainly not a patronage appointment and she's kind of she's more associated with the previous liberal yeah she'd been a civil servant the head of the civil service under gordon campbell right right to the the premier then the ceo of, of bc hydro lately she's been running canada post and she was brought in uh because she knows how governments work and because she has to work, she's basically the overseer here, the coordinator, the quarterback of this thing. Because you have to work with Surrey Municipal, Municipality of Surrey. You've got to work with the provincial government and the federal government, because federal government yeah. is RCMP, of course. So that's three levels of government that you've got to navigate. So she's sort of the dispute resolution commissioner of this, because there's going to be disagreements on how some of this works. And because she's got experience in how governments work, not how police forces work, but how governments work, that's the selling job. Okay. We were told why she was brought in. Let's talk about this on-again, off-again strike in B.C. ports. So this has been a wild couple of days here on this. It looked like at one point we had a deal on this strike, which is costing the economy hundreds of millions of dollars a day while the ports were shut down. Then Then they went back out on strike. The federal labor minister said it, they called the strike illegal, and then they went back to they called the strike off. What is going on here? Good question. So we've been asking that question for 24 hours now. The union's not saying anything. 
Um, so they issued 72 strike, 72 hour strike notice. I've even told you you can't be on strike until you issue that. That strike yeah, that's notice. why and they then, said the strike was illegal. And then right? 72 hours have to elapse. Well, right. then they re- they've revoked that that notice. Yeah. So there is no 72 hour strike notice right now, which, which the ports are open. But there's still this confusion and layer of uncertainty. How long are they going to be open? Because there's no deal. There's no deal. There's still no deal. Yeah. Um, so the union's caucus, as they call it, rejected the deal despite the negotiators agreeing to it. This is the deal um, suggested or recommended by the federal me- mediator. Um, they did not take it to the membership for a vote. So perhaps they're going to take it to the membership for a vote. Maybe that's what's happening. But mm, the union so yeah. far is not saying anything. Uh, just a terse yeah. one line, we're withdrawing 72-hour strike notice, and everyone's scratching their heads wondering what's going to happen next. But the good news is the ports are open, but yes. as long as there's uncertainty, um, that's going to affect the entire industry because uh, how many people are going to necessarily sh- send their ship? how many companies send their ships to the port of Vancouver not knowing whether it's going to be open? Okay, let's listen to Premier David Eby speaking here, and also there was a lot of speculation, would they have to recall Parliament in Ottawa to pass a back-to-work bill? And Jugmeet Singh, the federal NDP leader, had something to say about that, and you'll hear him in this clip as well. So this is EB and Jugmeet Singh here. It's going to take good faith from both parties to get to the table and hammer this out. They were so close. We encourage the government to to not interfere with this beyond encouraging the parties to negotiate a fair deal. I wonder if Jugmeet Singh is maybe secretly relieved if the thing is over. Oh, Probably, yeah. yeah. I mean, he doesn't want to be put on the spot of having to vote against well, yeah, an imposed settlement. That. The other thing, uh, rumor out there is, does the union now realize perhaps an imposed settlement might not be quite as generous as the one that the mediator is recommending? Yeah. And to recap, that is a 19.2 compounded, 19.2% compounded wage increase over four years. So it's five, five, four, and four. Uh, which is 18, but compounded is 19.2, a roughly $3,000 signing bonus for a full-time um, equivalent um, or full-time employee, um, an 18.5% increase to the retirement payout, which comes after you know, 20, 25 years in the job, to about $96,000. Um, so that's the wages. Then unclear what is there in terms of regarding the union's concern about automation, yeah. which could lead to significant job loss. And this thorny issue of uh, jurisdiction over maintenance work. So Who, contracting out there. Yeah, the contracting yeah. out. So those are the two non-wage issues that are the sticking points. Okay, the phone lines are open right now. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 on your cell. Ed in South Surrey. Hi, Ed. Go ahead. Hi. I've got a question. How do we go from 840... Uh, RCMP back in eight years ago, that's how many we had, to 735 now. How does that not become an issue of public safety before the plan should ever been approved? Yeah, so I think largely we're talking, this is not unique to RCMP, the number of people retiring because of the boomer generation is at huge levels. I mean, healthcare, we're supposed to find something like 30,000 more healthcare workers in the next five years because of retirements. And policing is no different. So I think that's a big reason for the drop. And there's other reasons. You know, people do leave professions and jobs just because that's what they do. And we're not recruiting. They're not recruiting, as I mentioned before, 650 people graduate a year from the Regina Depot, but 850 Mounties retire every year. So that's a 200. That's national, nationwide. So every year, a 200-person gap. And in Surrey's the largest RCMP detachment in Canada. So they have yeah. a disproportionate number 
of that gap is disproportionately higher in Surrey because they just have so many more people. You know, another thing I was wondering about, and like the bigger sort of context of this whole thing is the future of the RCMP in Surrey and even across the country. And I, I think a lot of people who, who follow the, the fortunes of the RCMP in Canada are looking closely at what's going on here. For sure. Because it's this kind of like a canary in the coal mine kind yep. of situation. Like if Surrey gets phased out, the largest RCMP detachment in the country is the writing on the wall for the RCMP. Oh, I think it is. I think it's going to, you know, we talked um, a couple of days ago, the Toronto Star had an article um, with sources and federal government and the RCMP oh. advocating moving the RCMP to a more FBI of the North. Yeah. yeah. Getting more involved in specialized policing, uh, fighting cyber crime, organized crime, terrorism, yeah. uh, all those big ticket issues and get out of suburban, urban areas. Open question. Will the RCMP still be the rural police out there? Yeah. You're not going to see the merit police force suddenly develop because they just don't have a population base for that. But Surrey, I can the, the the clock is ticking on it moving out of the urban and suburban areas and letting you know largely populated areas and letting municipal or provincial police forces take over. That's, that's where I think it's headed. Mike in Surrey. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Hey guys, I think Keith made a good point earlier about political capital. Uh, my mayor is in Surrey here has no political capital anywhere. She has uh, basically made the wrong call on. This uh, issue, she uh, didn't negotiate better money for it. She has no friends provincially at all. And young Mr. Trudeau, as you said two days earlier, he gave uh, our province uh, air support by uh, by coming out and making very bold comments about the RCMP's future. So she has no friends there. And you got to remember when you talk federally, Sue Dallywall was her opponent in the uh, provincial election, as was Jenny Sims. So. She's got no federal friends. She's got no uh, provincial friends. And as a taxpayer, she, I'm not her friend. So I think that the reason mm. she may be waiting to make any kind of statement is her statement might be that uh, based on the situation I find myself in, I'm going to resign as the mayor of Surrey. Oh, and I, I think she should that. do that. That's really what she should do. This okay, is really a big, uh, a big deal. Thank you see that happening but uh it would be smart it's always smart for politicians to play nice with each other down the road you, you know uh you can get things from senior levels of government if you you know doug mccallum was for all the controversy of doug mccallum he actually was able to exact certain things from victoria here um because he shared the sage with them and didn't criticize them all the time and i think you're seeing ken sim and david eby's been at several events together and if you have a good working relationship between your municipality and a senior level of government, that's going to pay off for you. Well, I wonder if Brenda Locke might be thinking, okay, if we try to achieve some sort of honorable peace here and just put this thing to rest and start tackling these other issues well, she, that you described she, earlier, or does she continue to attack this provincial government and blame them for any tax hikes I, that come down the road to pay for this? I think she signaled that she want. well, she wants to meet with Farnworth, and Farnworth has said, fine, let's meet. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jessica McDonald would be at that meeting as well. And Locke has signaled she'd want that $150 million the province is offering, that that's not enough. Well, that's just the starting point of a conversation. There's every possibility that money could increase, but it's not going to increase if you're throwing sand at mm. each other. Okay, so $150 million on the table now. She has said that's not enough. Maybe it gets Maybe bumped up. Sweeten okay. the pot a bit. Okay.